Hello, hello, and welcome to Sephra's Green and Greener show. I am Sephra, and today's guest is someone very special. It's Atrey Das Chaudhary, who is currently a senior sustainability consultant with Crystal. She's done her masters in development studies from Tata Institute of Social Sciences, and now has over seven years of work experience in the space of sustainability, community building, and social inclusion. Today's conversation has been super, super easygoing and flowing. Not only because Atri and I have been colleagues for around two years, but we've also known each other for over five years now. Some of the topics we touched upon are extremely educational and interesting. We've started off with what a sustainability consultant even is and what do they do. We've touched upon what does sustainability look like at grassroots at the grassroots level. and uh, what role does caste have to play in such occupations we've also touched upon some of atrey's extremely interesting stories of her experiences with some of the biggest corporations and institutions in the world so stay tuned because these kinds of anecdotes and stories are not easily available online and you will get to learn a lot here so let's begin today's episode right now Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Sephra's Green and Greener show where we learn simpler steps to being more sustainable. Today I am joined by Atrey who is a sustainability consultant at Crystal and we're here and very excited to hear all about her life. Uh before we get to her a quick note about me. I am your host of this podcast uh, Sephra Ibrahim. I am also the founder of Green India which is a one-stop vegan shop. Over to you, Atri. I hope you're happy to be here. We are so excited to have you here. Yeah, hi everyone. And and uh, I mean, I've been following Green for for a while now, and uh, it's actually something like you told told me about Green when veganism was still like <laughs> people didn't know what to do, <laughs> what was it, and I I remember we were in Bangalore for one of our projects and we were out drinking and. <laughs> yeah, 2019. This was like pre-pandemic. Oh yeah. my god! Uh, we had to order some food, and um, I remember Martin had ordered some paneer tikka, <laughs> and then you were very specific about how you did not want milk solids, and you were getting so critical about it. The waiter was like, "What is Shivan saying?" So that's I remember you asking you after that that why are you so like crazy about this thing? Yeah, and you explained the entire thing because we used to live together yeah. last during all those travels and everything. So yeah, I mean that's how I uh, I obviously knew about it, but uh, a lot about it I had come to know from you the nitty gritties of it. So at that time I was a big I was big on on my meat. Yeah. So like I used to eat so much that even the French. Call me that Atri. You are more French than nothing. Talks of eating meat. They used to have paneer and all of that, and I would just be like beef and fish and meat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm super excited, and uh, there has been a lot of change in terms of outlook, ideology, everything that has happened uh, thanks to the pandemic. Yeah, or growing older in life. Exactly. That's exactly why I wanted your, you know, your words of wisdom. So to reflect uh, on today's episode. So, um, uh, just a quick context for everyone listening that you know, Atrey and I have actually worked together uh, as consultants uh, at uh, at the French firm that we were talking about. And uh, today, here she is a senior consultant, in fact, <laughs> with Crystal. So, Atrey, let's get into you know your journey. Okay, 
So why don't you take me through what did you do at college? You know, what did you study that got you into the field of sustainability to begin with? Yeah. So it's been uh, it's it's been a long and quite a intentional journey for me. I I'm I'm not here by chance. So it's it's quite a intentional move. I uh, was uh, volunteer from from the time I was in school. I started volunteering for all these different uh, you know social service activities, like lottery, international, and all all of that. And uh, after that, I was I did a graduation in political science. So I was all, always interested in the social sector and how what is wrong with the system. And yeah, why are we here? Systemic change. Yeah, how, how can we bring in change and all of that? And that's when I started doing a lot of social work. I started working with uh, slum kids. I started giving them, teaching them dancing. So wait, how old were you when you started this? Um, I was in my um. So this uh, vocational education path started when I was in college. So that must have been what, 19, 20, something like that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I started, I had a thing for dancing always. And we yeah, started teaching hip. She's an amazing dancer, by the way. I'm going to link her page here so everyone can check that out. <laughs> Thanks. So yeah, so I started teaching hip hop to uh, these kids oh, in Calcutta, in a slum. So that was my first inspiration and the kind of happiness I got out of that was like addictive. And um, after that, I decided that why not study this? Mm -hmm. So I decided to do a master's in development studies from TISS. And for me, that was a turning point to a lot of things because, you know, education is one point where it really opens your eyes to a lot of things, uh, which is which you may not be knowing otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And while doing that, I did a lot of internships and a lot of field work. Um, I came to Mumbai for the first time. Yeah. I did two internships. One was with a policy think tank where I was just like sitting in a laptop and doing that. And then I wanted some, you know, hardcore field knowledge. That's just to get your hands dirty. Yeah. That's when I used to go to your um, Mount Kurka slums and I used to sit and eat and live with them for some time. So I got interested in the whole social sector. After which I started, uh, I graduated and got my first job with the government uh, of Andhra Pradesh. So I worked there because I wanted to get a bird's eye view of how the system works. Right. After which I got interested into consulting um, and sustainability consulting mm -hmm. uh, because I was working with the government uh, in their social sector health and education. So after that, I started into the consulting field where I started supporting government, corporations, um, consulting companies alike in different areas of sustainability. Now, sustainability is a term which is very loosely used as yes, it, right? And uh, everybody from the prime minister, you know, fashion influencer, they use it. Yeah. All your clothes, cosmetics, everything is sustainable because it sells. But, uh, I mean, sustainability has bigger meaning and it has larger connotations than that. So, um, anyway, coming back, so I started working with uh, these companies, corporations, etc. So, what essentially I did was I helped these different uh, stakeholders like government or uh, co companies or, uh, yeah, so government or companies or non-governmental organization, develop a strategy, develop a way for building like a plan to or, or a project that can be in the health sector or, or in education or in sanitation uh, anything which creates an impact in the lives of people and 
helps them come out of bigger social and economic problems such as inequality, poverty and so on. So uh, that's that was the beginning of my journey into sustainability and uh, I think the biggest um, professional milestone came when I started working with the same company where we, we were both working with yeah. French consulting company. And uh, there, oh, the business model was essentially uh, they were helping larger uh, corporations uh, grow their strategies for responsible businesses, right? Sustainable businesses, as they called it. So uh, basically, what they did was they helped these companies um, because every company has a financial responsibility and they also have a sustainability responsibility, right? So in India, it's in the form of the Corporate Social Responsibility Act. Correct. Yeah. And uh, outside, it's also the CSR thing is there abroad, but it's also there in, in the form of sustainable businesses. Mm. So we helped these conventionally large corporations grow an alternative channel of developing or expanding their businesses in uh, places that could help low-income consumers as well as low-income sellers. Right. And so on. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's how this journey began and uh, it has taken me to different places, but yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I have to ask you if there is from our time together or, of course, your the, all the other projects that you've worked on, any one incident that comes to mind that stands out to you till today that, you know, if someone asks you, what was the weirdest thing or the funniest thing you did? Like it? How could immediately remember it? How hard was that since? So um, we were working in this uh, very big project for Bill Gates. And uh, it was to finish open defecation in the yeah. <laughs> Huge target, huge goal. And we were his soldiers in India. Yeah. Me along with three, two random French boys. <laughs> okay. And we were stuck in Pune for a month. Yeah, so I, uh, six months. We were living in a service department. And uh, we used to, every day morning, we used to wake up, have breakfast, go to the slums and understand what are their challenges in terms of uh, sanitation and how we could solve those problems, right? So what happened was essentially, just to give a brief context, uh, Bill Gates and uh, a very big uh, perfume flavor manufacturing company for Minish may come up with the technology to fight malodor in uh, community toilets in slums. Yeah. The impact of this was supposed to be in terms of more usage of com community toilet, as a result of which uh, the the problem of open defecation will will be reduced. Yeah, right? because uh, it was based on the hypothesis that the reason why people don't use community toilet is because there's problem of cleanliness and smell. And yeah, smell, right. So they came up with the product. We did some product testing after doing some field research studies and whatever. And we put up the, those products and we in, we did a lot of awareness building with the communities to in, encourage them to use the toilets. But even after one, two months of very strong intervention, they were still going out of the field, okay? And then one of the reasons what we found out was that the cleaning process was not as rigorous because the, mm. the uh, cleaners of the toilet or uh, the caterers who were cleaning the toilet uh, the caretakers, yes, that was the term. They were not uh, trained enough. So we, after writing a lot of reports and data collection, all that, a new uh, scope of work that came onto our plate was we had to train them in terms of how to clean the toilet. And they were told us the best way to do is you have to show them how to clean the toilets. God, and next morning, 
me and two random French <laughs> colleagues. We were there in the community toilets with brooms and heartbreak and whatnot. And we have literally cleaned toilets. Like, uh, we still have pictures where one full day we showed them. Like, we went and we did the, we did the work, you know. It's, it's very easy to say, you know, sanitary is a big problem. People are not, yeah. But what are you doing about it? What are you doing? What can you do? Yeah, I mean, yeah. as consultants, as the privileged section of the country, we just write reports and do research because we have the intellectual power and all of that. But here, we really had to do the grind and we had to go and clean the toilets. It was really dirty. And I remember, I remember it because you know how in community toilets, you remember there are a separate section for females and males. Of course. And uh, the guys were doing the male part, but I realized that I had to go in, in to do that part also. Oh my God, so you got that. Yeah, that, That's a- that was quite a moment for me because right. first of all you get a shock that oh my god what am I doing yeah I mean uh, ghar you might just do it but yeah go and do somebody else's <laughs> toilet is only quite like, and it's a community toilet community toilet no, it was by like yeah. hundreds if not thousands of people a day like yeah it's, and, it's and, a lot I mean no gender bias but then <laughs> the men toilet was way worse than the female part and it was it was quite a task but it was, it was, I would say it was really a moment of truth for me. To really know what those uh, caretakers were doing. And yeah. they, they are the most underpaid and the most, uh, most of them were from, you know, uh, backward castes and they had that whole caste burden. Then they had the class burden and some of them were not physically fit also. So, I mean, it was definitely one day. Yeah, it, it stood out. It teaches you and makes you like realize that, oh my God, we are so lucky to be able to do what we do. And yeah. there are people who are just, they don't, they don't have that privilege. Yeah. Or that even our, the lack of opportunity. Yeah. It just, it doesn't exist because of, you know, you rightly mentioned the caste class. And this is such a, you know, shout in the face of people who keep claiming that caste and class does not exist. Like, I mean... I, I, and I, I'm just fighting for reservation and uh, married and all of that seriously without looking at you know what is happening on ground like it's just so easy it's say that my son didn't get through IIT because you know he has the marks but somebody from a backward caste just got it the problem is actually much bigger than that it's more bigger than that and yeah sitting in uh, in a proper city and with proper education it's very hard for you to actually imagine even the kind of problems that somebody you know, in a village or even in a city slums. Yeah, that's true. The urban poor like also go through a lot. The community yeah. toilets there also are like are not in a in a really bad condition. Yes, yeah. Getting back to you know the caste based uh, occupations that we were just talking about. Um, you also mentioned something interesting about a recent study that you read about the railway employees. Yeah. So you know, um, in in India we have a monopoly of the Indian railways and everything. Yeah. And uh, the we still do not have a bio toilet or a, you know smart toilet in our trains, in most of our trains. Although we are, the government is working towards that, but largely it is still the um, you know the usual toilets that we have in the train. And the entire manual scavenging that happens of in in the Indian railways or in the throughout, entire country, yeah, yeah, throughout the country, majorly it's done by a specific caste. And that has been the case historically. There has not been any changes, and there are a lot of, um, there is a lot. There are 
not not only is it a difficult like difficult profession is just an understatement it is also a health hazard it is right even with the kind of equipments and everything that the government is providing them there is hardly um the the kind of protection that they get is very less yeah and it is still done so so the whole problem of caste based occupation is still very much relevant in our country no matter what we see and however much we've come forward and yeah so we still you know suffering from that problem very true and i mean to to carry on that study you know it's uh, of course you're talking about sewage right they're cleaning and they have to deal with that what i also have read in this in a similar report was they have to also discard of dead bodies mm-hmm. dead bodies of humans and animals because we do still face a lot of deaths right because of the how our railways are built or how unsafe they are we do have deaths in that we have yeah. deaths of like random animals that are trying to cross the railway or they, they just die and someone has to clean that and it's all done by the lowest caste yeah. that that you know that our country has and it's so sad that people are not talking about this enough or people don't know or they choose to ignore you know such a such an important topic they so, don't like can't listen until you are in this um business like you're in a sustainability profession yeah or like you have studied it people the awareness is very low i mean you go ask them about the share market trends they will be able to give you more insights yeah like no fan yeah <laughs> exactly tech bro yeah says whatever but yeah you you're absolutely right so i don't know i don't know what what can be a possible solution for at least for a, for the awareness building part of it of course systemically there are a, a million things that can yeah. be done but for the awareness part hopefully people are listening in and you know yeah. they do they start doing their own research of course you listen to something and you should end mm-hmm. up doing your own research and i hope that this does trigger some uh, you know uh, uncomfortable conversations yes anyway let's move into you know atri as a sustainability consultant and your knowledge based off of that right so with your i think now you they've got quite a few years under your belt of you know doing this and helping whether it's businesses or ngos you know make their strategy as you were saying so how do you help businesses balance their sustainability goals along with their financial goals like you know a lot of people sometimes have that misconception that uh you know are agar maine sustainability bhi concentrate kiya to my i have to just keep spending money 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 so you know what is your take on that as a person working in this field yeah but i think um, right now the situation is such that you go to any company's website you open their linkedin page you do the first what you see is sustainability mm-hmm. right i mean yeah the big one so for sure yeah i mean uh, ca- carbon footprint sustainability uh, emission reduction mm-hmm. everybody is using that term like yeah. from a chemical industry mm-hmm. to footwear industry everybody is using that term because uh it's unfortunate but i mean it it is selling yeah. right and people are using it and for for the good or for the bad it is actually helping because every company has realized and it is become a global uh responsibility for each and every company which has a profit motive yeah to do some amount of responsible uh businesses okay like a, a large part of their business has to go towards solving social problems solving environmental problem and which is why there is this 
it's not even new anymore the whole concept of ESG yeah I'm into social and governance which has come up so big and it's going to be even bigger there are going to be ESG audit and everything the whole investment sector is going to go into you know ESG based investment which is already happening big and uh, so I mean ESG is something which integrates environmental responsibility social responsibility as well as governance internal governance responsibility and in this whole thing the biggest chunk is of the environmental part because as you know most of the production based companies or fmcg companies they have a lot of you know like uh, environmental impact in terms of very negative and very yeah. very negative impact in terms of what they are doing so that's why they are so big on getting into circular economy and all yeah using the carbon footprint so uh, what we essentially do is we help uh, or i try to help companies build their strategy first of all awareness among what so companies will have an allocated fund or budget for these responsible businesses in india it is in the form of csr like yeah. corporate social responsibility now the government is mandated under the companies act correct to uh, allocate a certain amount of fund for that of their profit right so the companies have an allocated budget for it but in most cases they are not aware about what to do with that budget yeah uh, until some of them will just do some random you know social work go meet some kids through health camps and all of that but now with the you know csr responsibility coming in big especially for companies with big turnovers so they want to have a integrated CSR strategy okay so let's say it is an fmcg company like um, somebody who's producing um cleaning products okay so then their focus they they try to focus on a social sector or a environmental sector which is related to their business because they have uh networks they have economies of scale so uh they will essentially invest into uh initiatives which are in the sanitation water access and so on Correct. If it is a finances company, they'll work a lot on financial literacy of women, SSG groups, social self-help groups, how to increase their, uh, you know, uh, financial literacy, how to make them more powerful, how to, and in the process also uh, empower women because they are the main beneficiary of yeah. the scheme, right? Yeah. Microfinance. Microfinance. Yeah, actually, which is it's no longer a new trend. It, yeah, it's already there, and we see the results of that. so uh, so we help them develop the strategy and then we also help uh, them identify implementing agencies so you know the ngos the ngo partner the community based organizations who are responsible for implementing these initiatives at grassroots level be raised be it water be it um, social and environmental anything and then once the once the implementation is done then the next and the most logical step is to do a monitoring and evaluation of these interventions so how effective are these interventions and when we talk about so uh, impact assessment is essentially how we call a financial audit to see the profit and loss but it's very different from that here the end goal is to understand the social impact not just in terms of your returns on investment yeah. financial returns but the social returns on investment so sroi so to understand what is your impact in terms of uh creating social impact so reduction in poverty uh empowerment of women uh reduction in infant uh, mortality uh, maternal mortality and so on and so forth right so the entire project cycle of 
designing a socially relevant project for the company, then helping them execute that and then monitoring and impacting and assessing the impact of the project so that course corrections can be done and the project can be, you know, upscaled and so on in the coming years. Got it. So essentially, that's the scheme of things. Got it. That that was a very, like, I think, proper way of saying it. So, that, you know, someone who's coming on here for the first time and has no idea, like, what, what do the sustainability teams in these big companies even do? I think you nailed it. Like, you <laughs> explained it in such a concise manner. So thank you for that. Um, another question, okay, in the similar field, so to say. So how do sustainability initiatives, like the ones you just mentioned, benefit not only you know the environment or the social groups but also a company's bottom line like do, is there a link a possible link over there like, absolutely yeah uh, uh you see uh, the thing that the companies are doing with responsible businesses in um or even with csr okay so uh i'll give two examples sure uh, so first of all in terms of let's say what do we mean by responsible business so we were working with a uh, FMCG company which produces FMCG so food products yeah okay so now they you know usually an FMCG company will have a conventional channel of selling to a master distributor who will send to a, a smaller distributor and then they'll have people selling to the retailers correct full sell to consumers so that's your usual value chain right yeah. supply chain so what in, they do in responsible businesses is they create an alternative distribution channel where they identify uh, the informal sector, so which is quite big in um, in India, developing countries yeah. such as ours, which is why we are still one of the hot gate market for for these kind of products. So you identify an alternative distribution channel in formal network of distributors. For example, we did with street vendors. Yeah, and then what you do is you train them, you tell them about the product, and you tell them your sales strategy which conventionally they might not have or they might have okay you never know because these guys are also quite skilled from yeah you've seen us right they're like I mean, they're all entrepreneurs yeah like one way like yeah they pioneered that before the term they became. just don't have the iim degrees yeah they are quite oh they are quite mad we've met so many that yeah. could literally you know run us run everyone out of business yeah, yeah. man totally they were awesome so you train them and so what happens is they will sell your products along with their um, sabzi uh, or whatever fruits, whatever they are selling. So they'll, yeah, they'll also sell this. So for the classic example is Breadwalas of, of Mumbai. It's a huge network and we, we did a study of 6,000 Breadwalas. Those were the days, those were the days. And 6,000 was just a minuscule in the yeah. universe of breadwalas that's there. They are essentially like, for people who don't know, they are essentially like the dabbawalas uh, that we have in Mumbai. And there's a huge network of these guys. They are all migrant laborers from different parts of the country. And uh, so this FMCG company essentially tried to capitalize and uh, get that network and create an alternative channel of distribution. Because yeah. these guys are going into the houses of people and they're meeting their uh, end, con end consumers on a day-to-day -day basis. They know them, uh, you know, every day. So you go and you, they go and they sell the product to them. So the marketing also happens through their word of mouth mm. as people know them. So it's, it's, it's an extraordinary strategy if you can, if it can be done. Only thing is, it is very uh, labor intensive in terms of marketing and sales and so on. Uh, so the bottom line, how is the bottom line impacted? The bottom line is impacted because you are creating an alternative channel. 
and it was a it was a foreign fmcg company so they were suffering from very stiff competition competition from domestic players of course so then you are able to beat your competitors because you're creating a completely alternative channel of sales as well as marketing right so definitely your bottom line is impacted and you are also serving your social goals because uh, you know you are you are investing through your the funds which you've allocated for your social responsibility side of things so i mean that's that's definitely uh, one very good example of how uh, companies can impact if they really uh, take the time and effort to create these strategies or to employ people who can do that for them right so yeah it is very important to have people who are doing that for you in your organization mm-hmm. so that's awesome um you also shared a success story so thank you for that <laughs> uh what are some of the metrics of business should track to know if they are on the path to sustainability or if they are being sustainable or not ha huh. so i mean uh, the classic example are your un sdg goals like no united nations sustainable development goals global standard yeah. which is nothing but or you know we had the million de- million development goals and now we have the un sdg goals yeah, and every government every company every ngo is is tracking those goals right to the t we have micro sub micro goals which which we have for them so i mean uh, just to give you an uh, example uh, so there are uh, these very big macro goals like poverty ending poverty ending inequality and then there are these uh, you know very specific goals in terms of health in terms of uh, education gender equality so in terms of health for example reducing anemia levels in women reducing uh, infant mortal- mortality maternal mortality in terms of education it could be uh, literacy uh, skill development percentage of youth skilled in a country unemployment levels uh, dropout levels in schools water and sanitation could be access to uh, water in the toilets yeah toilets um yeah access to clean drinking water so these these are some of the bigger goals depending on the sector in which the company is focusing yeah that we can be uh, tracking yeah that that's an easy one i mean easy as in like at least they know okay these are the metrics and already decided by someone else now let's see what we can match to yes. fit what box so i think that that makes that's an easy one and makes sense so coming back to your public sector because you worked you have worked with the government of andhra pradesh and you worked with private players mm. so what is the key i mean there can't be only one difference i'm sure there are many but what are the few differences that come to mind when you compare both your experiences like you know in terms of achieving that end goal again big goal of sustainability so see a government is essentially formed with the whole objective of public good right and the corporation is essentially formed with the whole objective of uh, increasing profit right right so there is there are no hypocrisies in that yeah so when a government uh, is implementing a scheme uh, the objective is much larger okay so they are trying to address a population which is impacted by poverty or inequality or uh, you know unemployment and so on and then they'll have multiple schemes uh to achieve those objectives okay and in those schemes the government can't do it alone so they will have a lot of donor agencies a lot of foreign funding they have a lot of uh, private sector players in the form of csr and yeah who are implementing on behalf of the government so they are all so i would say the private sector is a sub to the government in terms of creating social impact okay because yeah you can't really differentiate them into two um compartments 
because if you look at the overall let's say your objective is creating social impact okay and the government has the primary responsibility of ensuring that that happens and whereas a private company it's it is not their primary goal but it is definitely one of their most major goals okay so in terms of initiatives in terms of um, money uh the scale is very different government obviously will have a larger corpus of fund yeah. to do roll it out and they also have the yeah, they also get foreign funding and uh, other kinds of funds through which they are able to do these large scale schemes they'll have they, they are running all over this all the states of the country right whereas a private sector scheme will be like or a project is concentrated in one specific um village or district or uh, city or state right so that is very different however i feel uh the good thing about uh, private sector projects are uh you can the impact is more tangible you can see impact more uh, in a better way because most cases they would do a study they'll do an impact assessment to see where they went wrong is it that they are doing correctly and they'll take the corrective measures which in a lot of times the government is not able to do so yeah. for example what i am doing right now is we are trying to we support different state governments or national government mm-hmm. in uh, monitoring in giving them support to monitor and evaluate these schemes schemes that they run there is a lot of time time we i was just in talking i was just doing a meeting with one of the chief secretaries in of one of the states Uh, of this country mm. and planning secretaries and he was telling that they have huge programs for you know on health um yeah. huge amount of money from um, unicef and so on but then he's like you go to one of our any villages and every you know majority of women are suffering from anemia most of the kids are stunted and so yeah so where is it going wrong because i am rolling on all the money i have yeah but uh but where is that money going i mean you go to any of the anganwadi centers they are giving those fortified food to women pregnant women and so on but why is why are they still anemic because the problem is starting from at the problem starts at age when the girl is 15 16 year old so adolescent time say the problem starts and since they do not have the kind of awareness that they need to have so they're getting married pehle they're having kids before they are supposed yeah. to have they do not have any idea about the kind of nutrition that they need to have be a mother right yeah. so just giving uh, some uh, provisions or some benefits is not going to solve a bigger problem you can just show at the end of your financial year that how much uh, you know food packets you've given out but in terms of seeing what is the impact that has happened that is a bigger question so which is something that the private sector is better sometimes at doing because they are very keen about assessing the impact of the kind of schemes that they do but again the reach and everything is is very targeted and so yeah got it very very interesting perspective you got here um so i'm going to segue this discussion into another sort of topic because you're a sustainability consultant and you're in this field so recently uh, we came across an ipcc report right obviously to do talking about climate change and it did mention that one of the biggest contributors of greenhouse gases is your animal agriculture industry and yes. you know all the problems that go along with it so what is your take on that and yeah what can we do to sort of mitigate it it's a very broad question but yeah, what is your take on that i think more than broad especially in a country like india is a political question isn't i mean we can all we can all agree to that um and i think this is 
something that is not a macro change it's a ma- micro change it needs to happen at your level first and then at your family level and then at your social level and then at the state and then at a national hopefully at a global level right so it's a huge revolution that you're waging sefran congrats on that and uh, i mean like i said like today also like in fact today morning also i was just speaking with this manager i have to work with and he is a um, he is also um, from the northern part of this country and he was like oh you are a bengali acha you are a vegetarian <laughs> did you get kaise uh, hua did you marry into a vegetarian family i said no i am an outcast <laughs> you know i my um, my uh, family my uh, what would you call premarital family yeah <laughs> although i still consider that my family yeah, of course they are hardcore non vegetarian the family i married into they are also hardcore non vegetarian so i am an outcast mm. so in my entire wedding i was the only one who did not have the biryani uh, i was hugely just for that <laughs> but i took this decision because um, i was also very big on on meat and yeah i remember i remember i was so big on that and i i've i tried everything that you can possibly think of which has meat or flesh in it but uh, then i was into fitness and so on and then i read a book okay where they were talking about um, how you produce animals to kill them basically it's a very simple fact and i don't know why it never occurred to me before that after doing so much education and all of that and then i started thinking about it i read i started reading more into it i watched a lot of things the documentaries etc etc and that's when it hit me that oh my god what have i have been doing and uh, of course and then i i tried started doing it as an experiment to see whether uh, i'm going to visit or not eventually i did not miss it got it so i there was never no looking back for me after that okay and when did this happen like when did you start making the change so it happened uh, i think last year beginning onwards when i met a bunch of these guys who were done with the corporate culture and they said uh, i am just leaving my job i'm going to go to yoga and the i'll go to go to uh, go and teach yoga hmm. and i was like oh my god what is he saying i mean i've met these kind of people before and then he was saying that you know i'm trying out uh, vegetarianism for some time and so so it's not nothing new i mean yeah. i have met these kind of people but i think it it just happened at a phase of my life when i was also trying to understand things and i'm already doing this correct i'm already in the profession of trying to create an impact even yeah. that is for 0.0.1% right so i said okay and when i read about it when i came to know about it and uh, i was just like uh, oh my god but but the struggle began after that mm-hmm. i mean the easiest part part for me was to become a vegetarian there was no effort that i needed to wear yeah. afterwards the convincing that i had to do to my family mm-hmm. to make them understand why because this i don't think so a lot of people understand they yeah. think uh, it's a it's a lie like you know Take how people, personally yeah i don't know how global warming for the longest period of time isn't any aisa kuch hai nahi are aaj pe thandi hai aaj na garam hai kya bolta hu warming kuch bhi kuch nahi what it's a joke so even now people think that this is not possible that um, that you know people uh that carbon emissions are increasing because of this animal uh, cultivation correct so people I think the main problem like most of our other social problem is also in terms of awareness. Mm-hmm. So even though the IPCC has 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 stated it which means it's internationally recognized as it's no longer a lie. 
it's a it's a fact. fact. It's a fact. It's not a. Yeah, it's not fact. someone's opinion. Someone on the yeah. internet. Correct. Yeah. But then you have this huge industry. Yeah. Industry which is sitting and there are people employed and so on. So you can't just wake up one day and negate all of that also. So we have to come to. Some of us can take the root of saying that from tomorrow onwards, I'm not going to eat it and I'm going to stop it. But then there are bigger problems also. Like how does an economy as, yeah. a, as a whole or a, or a government as a whole take that call? The government is never going to come up and say that even in their awareness campaigns, you know, doing how, how they give awareness for tobacco, yeah. cover of the cigarette. They're never going to do that for with, uh, with, uh, on, the pack, on the packet of, uh, you know, meat. That is ko khane se apka you know your plan. Do I mean the government? If we if we really talk about it, they are trying to push uh, no meat at least in some states. Yeah, with the with the government agenda. Yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. It's it's long. I completely agree with you. We are all laughing because uh, recently I was telling someone that majority of India is actually non-vegetarian. Seventy over seventy percent of India identifies as non-vegetarian. So India is like. This whole thing of vegetarian countries not even that true. So yeah, if the government is trying to also do this under the table, some random agenda of theirs is not going to work. I totally agree with you. And oh my God, dairy though, just forget about it. Exactly. It's never going to happen. I totally agree yeah. with you in that that regard. Yeah, because they, for them the alternative to meat is paneer. Like yeah, like today you go to eat and any veggie restaurant. The first thing I tell them is do not tell me paneer. <laughs> like start from anything which is not paneer, and then they'll be like madam. Mushroom, we are gone. Remember, we used to go to these restaurants and I literally used to tell them what to make. Yeah, so I think um, even if that, like I said, like going back to IPCC, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fact now, it's a fact, yeah. It's a lot of work to create that awareness and to uh, tell people to do it because. Uh, there's a lot at stake. There's yeah. economy at stake. There's politics at stake. And lot at stake. So I mean, emotions, you forgot. There are three. Food is emotional here. Exactly. Everywhere, I mean. Huh. Food is emotional also. I I mean, I don't know how it is going to happen, but it, I mean, every war till today that has been won, is, it has happened through popular movies. It, it will only happen if, if you do things like people know about it. There are more people talking about it. So, I mean, it's it would be a dream to imagine that tomorrow we will be vegan. Possible, I mean, any rational yeah, person would know that. Yeah. Uh, remember the what we these guys used to do in a one day in a week. They said that we have vegetarian. Yeah, no meat. That's a big step. No meat Monday. No meat Monday. Yeah, yeah. If they do that, all of them will be So even that is a big step. It's a very it's a huge step. I I can't imagine the whole world doing it, but. I would love to think yes, I'll post that. So on the demand side, that's there. Again, yeah. on the supply side also, things need to improve, right? Yeah. Like uh, non-vegetarians, they need, they have to understand what are they going to eat if their meat stopped. Like today, if you go and say, okay, you have to eat jackfruit and based on that, they'll make a joke out of it. Of course. I have laughed at in my family. Yeah. Like, what are you saying? Biryani with jackfruit. <laughs> what is she saying? <laughs> like, but I'm just like, they are not open to really the idea of even trying it out as, correct. as a thing. You, you know, the entire, there are people who will just say that biryani without meat is not even veg, biryani is not even a thing. Yeah, biryani, biryani, karke rakha. Exactly. 
<laughs> wins. It's a tough one. It is tough. I totally agree. It's, you need that one in every family or every situation. Let's you need that one trailblazer that is, you know, everyone considers sort of cuckoo. Huh. And then actually that is a very big part of awareness building. Like, and people don't realize it, right? For example, another movement, like for example, feminism. Okay. You need that one, you know, crazy, what people brand us, I would say, person to be like, nay, galat hai. Like, you know, don't treat me like this and this. You are branded crazy, crazy, crazy and udhar se hi awareness badta hai. And tomorrow that auntie or whoever heard you will go and tell the neighbor or whoever, aray, to bada movement ho gaya. And you know, this my child or my neighbor's child said something, I heard it. What they, I was, but that time I was laughing, but when I thought about it, it actually made some sense. And they'll tell someone, they'll tell someone, <laughs> oh, yeah. There was a common problem. It's yes, just there is. Ha, there, there is a common story. <laughs> so there is a common, you know, there's a common problem. But yeah. a lot of, lot of us, because of the system structure, everything, they were unaware of it. There, then there was a discourse on it. People started talking about it and a lot of, a lot of things happened nationally, internationally, as a result of which people came to know about it. So the same thing has to happen in this case, you know, like today, people know it's a global warming, it's a global warming, that's what people know. Global warming is only happening because of the pollution. Any any person who's not so uh, woke or aware, uh, they'll think that, right? But to think that I'm eating food, you know, heat is a big one. No, it is, it is definitely. So, uh, I mean... But again, I, I don't see any other way other than other than education. Of course, that is the, I think that's step one. And, and also there are different forms of like, you know, how you get exposed to this information. So now it's all on us, you know, at this stage, like, okay, do we do this, like a podcast? Do we do books? Do we do rallies? Do we do whatever? Like, yeah. what else? That's, there are different things that work for everybody. So he was hoping that, yeah. you know, our episode creates some waves, however small or big, some waves. Uh, so, Atri, you are working with Crystal right now. So, uh, on a separate note, tell you, can you tell me a little bit about Crystal Foundation and what are they up to? So, Crystal Foundation is essentially the CSR, the Corporate Social Responsibility of, of Crystal. And uh, they have very clear, specific goals in terms of environmental conservation and financial literacy. These are their two major areas of interest. So, yeah. of the activities that they do is in terms of beach cleanups or, you know, cleaning up mangroves uh, and so on. So ecosystems which are impacted due to pollution and new civilization. So that's that's the one thing. And the other thing is financial literacy of, of women and people like microfinance and so on. So right. These are their two focus points and they are very strong in terms of doing different activities and engaging the employees and common people in these activities uh, to create again more awareness and also to make them do things at a ground level. Got it. So, Atre, this brings us to, you know, we've covered the hard-hitting topics. Now we have something to end on a lighter note, okay? We wanted to play like a rapid fire with you. It's like a sustainable version. <clears throat> rapid fire. So, cue some tense music in the background, okay? Your first question. Favorite sustainable product? Rapid, 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 rapid. Cute bags. Love it, okay. One inspiring book or any piece of content related to sustainability that made you was like your aha moment. Yeah, I know this one. That movie on uh, fish cultivation, what is it called? Uh, sea Spiracy. Okay, I answered that for her, but yes, love it. my life. Yeah. 
Okay, one material other than plastic that's very harmful to the environment. Plastic, no, I think that takes time. Huh? I mean, they are not. It, it is a second biggest. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of wastage. Yeah, that that's a good answer. Okay, now the, the last part is I tell you one word, you give me one. You're the first word that comes to your mind. Okay, nature, green. Okay, family, home, sustainability. Let's do it. Ford. Papri chat. <laughs> Meat. Nervous. No. No. Wow. Last word. Green. Go green. Okay. That's us to the end of this podcast. Thank you so much, Atri. It's been so educational. And <laughs> so much fun, you know, connecting with you again and having you on the show. I hope you had a good time. Absolutely. It was super, super nice. And I just hope that we are able to Bring that revolution that we keep. Yes, I love it. We've been we've been talking about it for like four years now. Yeah, and trust me, yeah, we we we're, we're trying to do watch it in two parts. Full circle, full circle. But thank you so much, and uh, thank you. Yep. Bye bye.